we're back with another installment of Jocks and Locks. Friday evening, first time for a Friday. Really excited to be here tonight. Uh, I just want to, first of all, thank all of our listeners. Uh, after a week, our second episode, uh, almost 60 listeners. Guys, I really appreciate all the feedback and, uh, you know, just the participation of you guys listening. It means a lot. Ryan and I, uh, Rhino and I are, are, are very excited about about the future and uh, we hope to, to keep gaining more listeners. Um, so tonight's episode sponsored to you by Reliance Propane Fuel and Oil Company. Serving the Northwest Ohio area for over 80 years, Reliance Propane, you can rely on us. And without further ado, I'm here with my partner, Rhino. Rhino, how are you tonight, buddy? Oh, just living the dream, Dewey. Uh, like like I said, I love hearing those numbers. 60, 60 people listening. Let's get that thing up to 120. Let's keep it going. Yeah, if we can keep doubling, that would be... Uh... That would be that'd be really nice. I would I would uh, hope that uh, you would you know, everybody out there tell your friends, tell whoever you know, tune on in. Uh, you know we uh, we we love all the uh, attention we can get. So I want to start tonight. Uh, our first pitch tonight is going to be kind of something that's happened uh, right but right before the trade deadline on the NBA. Uh, two players in particular, Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin the uh, third. We're traded a few times, let's just say, uh, Rhino. We uh, haven't seen this too often, but sometimes in uh, near the deadline, you get guys that, you know, kind of aren't wanted and then just kind of get thrown into deals and then just kind of get thrown back and forth. So Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin both were playing for Portland uh, on February 3rd. On February 3rd, they were then dealt to Cleveland in the Rodney Hood trade. So... They flew from Portland to Cleveland, which was 2,450 miles. They stayed there for a whopping three days. And then the Cavs decided they didn't want Stauskas for Baldwin and traded them to Houston on the 6th of February, which was another 1,297 miles. Lo and behold, the next day, Hell, they couldn't even, they didn't have time to, uh, you know, give James Harden a high five. They're flying back out of Houston and get traded to Indiana, which is another uh, 1,014 miles, giving them a total of 5,000, I'm sorry, 7,761 miles in a matter of five days to eventually, what happened? To get cut. So I don't know what the moral of the story is in this case. Uh, I know most people don't fly 7,700 miles in probably a decade or two, let alone these two compiled uh, hella uh, frequent flyer points uh, in those five days. So, uh, And on top of that, Dewey, they got fired. Correct. They, they so lost, think, think they about, lost think their about, jobs. Think about flying for your job. And then your last destination, the, the, the company takes you and, and, and moves you across the country. And then the last destination, the boss comes in and says, sorry, man, you're out. Unbelievable. Right. You can't even get your feet wet in any city. And all of a sudden you're uh, packing your bags and actually heading home, heading, heading home 
for real. So uh, I just thought that was quite interesting. Those two, hopefully they find a job, uh, you know, now they're free agents. Hopefully they find a job for the second part of the year and, uh, you know, can can find their way through. But, you know, I thought Stauskas had a really good college career and he stuck pretty well in the, uh, in the NBA. You know, he reminded me a little bit of J.J. Redick coming out of Duke. I had, you know, can shoot the rock and, uh, you know, just just a, just a quality college basketball player and has been a, you know, been a role guy in the pros. So we're going to start uh, our next uh, segment, just kind of recapping the, uh, the bets that we recommended on our show. Just want to put out a disclaimer to our uh, viewers and, and listeners out there that this is strictly for entertainment purposes only. If you decide you want to go gamble, please gamble safely and responsibly. So, yes, did everybody hear those? Did everybody hear those two words? Safely and responsibly. Absolutely. So uh, I know Rhino had a few games that uh, he was particularly high on on Wednesday night. And uh, Ryan, how would, how'd you do? How'd you do on Wednesday night, Bud? Well. Based on the show and what I gave, I went a solid 3-0. I had Maryland Moneyline. They went out and absolutely throttled Nebraska. Um, I wasn't expecting that, but... Cash that ticket. Yeah, I'll I'll cash that. And then I had two NBA takes. I had Houston minus three against Sacramento. Uh, That was a blowout as well. And then I had the Phoenix Suns and the Utah Jazz hit the under, which I believe was somewhere between 217, 220, somewhere in that range. Um, but you can cash all three of those tickets. You can indeed. Uh, you had a good night. Uh, I was not as fortunate. Uh, I had the Nevada Wolf Pack, who did cover the 13 and a half that I laid against Colorado State. I thought Wisconsin was going to cover as well, minus two and a half at Minnesota. That was a winner. Well, I think I spoke too soon on the Baylor Bears. I uh, considered them a dark horse, more like a dead horse. Uh, they laid an egg at Texas and really had no shot in that game at any point in time. And so, I think just come Baylor things. I think coming off those two big wins, that was just inevitable. Well, why didn't you tell me that that night then? <laughs> hey, you got to ride the hot hand, I guess, right? Well, shit, I mean... Hey, you can stop me at some point and tell me I'm an idiot because they didn't look like the same Baylor team I've witnessed for the last couple weeks. So Baylor did not, let's just say, cover the two and a half they were getting. And then Nova uh, decided that uh, they were going to lose on a phantom basket. Uh, They were minus nine at home against Creighton. And if any of you listeners out there saw the, uh, the ending of that game, it was quite disturbing if you were on the wrong side of it and had Nova and uh, laying the points for some odd reason the lighting uh, on the backboard of most uh, college basketball facilities means that the clock is going to expire and when that red light goes off that means the clock is at zero well apparently somebody Dewey 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 hold on I think our I think our uh, our audience is is pretty uh uh educated on that I think I think what you're referring to is more of the referees here well I'm getting to that so the referee in that case first of all must not have known 
what on God's green earth he was doing because they counted the basket after the red line had shown on the backboard and uh, actually ruined the Nova push, making Creighton a seven-point loser instead of a nine-point loser. So, leads me to the NCAA really needs to review all these baskets at the end of games. Let's be quite frank, people. College, or I'm sorry, sports betting is not going away anytime soon. If anything, it's starting to roll and it's really starting to catch ground. All right. So for that point, let's make sure we get these things right. And especially when March Madness comes. You know, I heard apparently after that game, the NCAA came out and made a statement that they're going to review all scoring plays, even after the buzzer sounds that don't have any impact on the outcome of that game to make sure the points were scored. Well, hell, why didn't you do it two damn weeks ago, you idiots? I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Get it right. I mean, I'm sick and tired of, of you know, umpires and referees getting a pass. Figure it out. Dude, you're a little salty now, aren't you? Well, it's bullshit. I just, I just want you to be right. You're getting paid. Don't be bad. Don't be shitty. Just be good. Just be good at what you do. It's not that hard. Just be average, honestly. Well, right. You can be average. That's fine. But just just stop making mistakes. Understandable. I'm off my my high horse. All right. Next segment. We're going to Hoop and Scoop. Couple trades outside of Stauskas and Baldwin couple trades actually meant a damn. Uh, Marcus Saul, longtime Memphis Grizzly, had a really good career for them. I mean, really, really is a staple to that organization since they've come in existence. He's uh, done a lot for that city. I really like Marcus Saul. Finally moved him. Hopefully he's got a chance to win a ring. Uh, they moved him to the uh, Toronto Raptors. Uh, tra- Raptors sent back Valanchunas. Dillon Wright and C.J. Miles and a 2024 second rounder. So they traded and gave up a seventh grader, a seventh grader, ladies and gentlemen, to the uh, to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Hopefully it's LeBron's youngest son that's going to uh, suit up for the Memphis Grizzlies in 2024. So uh, I really think this does help the Raptors um, make a strong push to win the East. Uh, I think it's a four-horse race, obviously. I, you know, I don't think any four of those teams are going away anytime soon. You know, uh, I think the Raptors adding Gasol with Lowry and Kawhi. You know, you still have Simmons and Bede, Harris and Butler uh, in Philadelphia. And then, the you know, the whole tandem of Irving and Tatum and then a bunch of those hodgepodge guys in Boston. And then don't forget about the Bucks. You know, I think adding Miritich at the deadline as well. With uh, the Greek Freak, you know, uh, Middleton and Bledsoe. you got four really good teams that I think really, in, in quite all honesty, uh, have are the most top-heavy of the two conferences. Uh, you can disagree and see you think that, you know, obviously the team out west that we all know is a modified uh, perennial all-star team. But I think you got four teams there that can really – they're going to actually beat each other up And it's going to be a detriment to the team that gets out of the East when they have to play those assholes uh, from out in the Oracle. So 
to be quite honest with you, I think it's a full horse race, and I can't really tell you who I think is going to come out of the, out of the East. Do you have any uh, any any input on that, Rhino? Uh, I'm kind of lost too. But if I had to just throw my dice at somebody, I really love what the Sixers did. Um, but I think again, I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the ball gets spread around. Um, but I think if they can master it and get it right and have good chemistry, that, that lineup is, is solid. I love the uh, the idea that Tobias Harris can kind of expand the floor a little more. Um, obviously, you have the one of the best shooters in all time and J.J. Redick still. Um, and then you, you throw an Embiid, Butler, and Simmons. I, I, I think they, they might be dangerous. But again, we'll see. Maybe it doesn't work out well and, and they, don't, they don't mesh. Um, you know, yeah, but. I, I, I just think, I, I still think the one problem I have with the Sixers and, you know, uh, one of my buddies is a, is, a, is a big Sixers follower. And, you know, we've, we've discussed it, I think, and he mentions as well that that bench is just not that deep. And, you know, when you get to crunch time in the playoffs, you got to have, you got to be able to expend your big boys and let them get some rest and not lose the whole entire game. You know, being a Cavs fan and watching LeBron LeBron come out of a game last year, and all of a sudden we're you know leading by ten, and all of a sudden we're down down six in a five minute span, and he asked where the hell did the game go, you know, because there was no bench, and so I know there's more talent in Philadelphia than what Cleveland had last year. I get that, but to the same degree. I just don't know how deep that bench is, and when they get into a tight spot, I I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I think if you had to ask me who I would pick, I think I I do like the Raptors. I think the Raptors, uh, and maybe that's because I think they have the best chance of beating Golden State in a seven game series. Not to say I think they can win a seven game series against Golden State, but I think they have the best shot at it. I think Gasol can finally you find a guy that can neutralize or help out against that against Boogie Cousins. I think you get the best. Arguably the best two-way player uh, in the game, and Kawhi Leonard to give uh, to give whoever they want to put him on, wreak, you know, wreak some havoc. And Kyle Lowry is built built to defend and, and try and hold Steph Curry down as best he can. So you at least give yourself a chance, and then you've got Siakam and Ibaka, who are both spread, uh, tall, lanky guys that can go out and defend, uh, and they're three and D guys. So. I just really believe that the Raptors, in my opinion, give themselves the best shot to get out of the East with a, with the acquisition of Gasol and to uh, potentially uh, at least give Golden State a run for their money. So, you know, that's kind of our take on, on the uh, NBA basketball scene. Uh, we're going to actually switch gears here. And uh, we're going to get into a, a little segment now that's going to get a little more popular uh, this time of year. And... I guess for the next handful of months is batting practice. And I think you guys might know what that means. Uh, spring Here is we in come. the air. Spring baseball. is in the air and baseball is in the air. And, uh, you know, I have a little background in it, coached a little bit, played a little bit. And, you know, I'll tell you what, the reason we really didn't mention it last week in our first podcast is because, you know, they consider the off season, the hot stove. It's been more like a, a cold cooler. I mean, hell, Nobody's doing anything out here. We're still waiting for the two big dominoes to fall in Harper and Machado. And you've got, you know, some things that just nothing really has transpired. 
but did you know one big move happened yesterday? And I think it's a little bit bigger than some people have portrayed it as. Is JT Real Muto gets dealt from the Marlins to the Philadelphia Phillies uh, for Sixton Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro. And uh, I really think this is a great deal for the Philadelphia Phillies and for the Marlins. Uh, but, you know, two teams obviously going in two totally different directions uh, when it comes to uh, their outlook on the 2019 season. Um, I think, first off, I think the Finns are in a total rebuild, and I think we all know that. You know, I think that uh, if, if you uh, can nail down the nine starters uh, an opening day for the Florida Marlins right now, I think you have better chances of winning the Powerball than naming those nine players. Uh, <laughs> this team is young. Uh, there is some talent in that farm system. It's being cultivated, but it's going to take time. And they just keep stockpiling these prospects. And I think at some point they're going to come to fruition. But it was time to move Real Muto. He's too good of an asset to keep in-house when you don't have much around him. And so, uh, in this case, uh, Real Muto to the Phillies makes sense, like I said, for both for both parties. And uh, I'm really looking forward to what Real Muto uh, can do in that Philly uniform. What do you think about this deal, Ryan? I, I, I completely agree with you 100% all the way around. Um, he, he It really makes the East interesting now. Um, but like you said, like you mentioned, all your points are were good, agreeable. I do have one, uh, one one question for you though, Dewey. I would like you to say "real muto" ten times fast if you can. All right, so you're gonna have to count for me. Well, actually, right. I might say it too fast for you to count. No, real muto, I'll... real muto, 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 real muto. All right, that was pretty good. That might have been nine or ten, but I think I just nailed it, boys and girls. Yeah, that was pretty good. You've been so, taking some speaking classes. Of course I have. Of course I have. I want to get back to Real Muto, though, and I want to dive a little bit in, you know, into what he's done in his three years in the big leagues. You know, he has, uh, you know, as a catcher, obviously, he's produced a lot of the plate. Uh, you know, lumping, th- lumping 25 jacks and hitting around 300. But, uh, you know, it's kind of staggering the numbers if you look at them. You know, in Marlins Park, he only actually hit 249 in his career on the road, a 318 hitter. And his OPS at home was 887 on the road, uh, 682. So there's a very big discrepancy between when he got out of Marlins Park and when he played in, I'm sorry, when he played in Marlins Park when he was on the road, and uh, which is a good sign for Philly. And, and I think that, that, that bars the question is, have we seen the best of JT Real Muto? or is the best yet to come. And uh, for Philly fans, obviously, we hope that the best is yet to come. Um, The one question that you could probably ask is, you know, he has faded in August and September uh, notoriously in his career. Uh, You know, April through July, he's hit 312 uh, throughout his career, and his average in August and September is 244. Now, with that being said, I know I have to take into account being a catcher that caught – uh, majority of the games in, in Miami, uh, you know, he he's going to wear down as every catcher would, and he takes a you know he takes a lot of pride in, in really helping that staff out. So I know there's a lot of attention uh, he pays uh, to coddling that staff. So hopefully he doesn't fade off, and maybe they can get him a few more blows early on in the year. 
But I'll tell you what, for for what she gave up and uh, the potential to sign this guy long term, a high school quarterback, a high school shortstop, came up as a shortstop, an athletic, an athletic guy, a really good catch and throw guy. I love the move for the Phillies. I think it was a slam dunk. And, uh, you know, I think there's still more to come. I think the I think the Philadelphia Phillies still have moves to make. And uh, I guess the question I have for you, Rhino, is, you know, do you think this move, um, when, you know, by getting JT Real Muto is going to help draw the likes of Harper and or Machado to Philadelphia? We know that both of those guys have been linked uh, potentially to to join the Phils, uh, along with a handful of other teams, and there's some you know secret suitors out there. But uh, do you think this deal uh, to get Real Muto is going to help lure one of those two guys or both of them uh, to the city of brotherly love? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, what I mean, it, there's no question that um, both those guys are probably looking at it, going, you know. They just got this guy. Let, let, let's let's build something here in Philly. You know why not, right? Um, I, I think it could be very interesting to see what happens. Um, but I think the Phillies. If you're a Phillies fan, you got to look at it and go, all right, we just took the first step in the right direction. Yeah, I, I'm not in that boat. I, I don't think this move is going to lure Harper or Machado to Philadelphia. I think they're set. Their, their main focus is making sure they get paid. And obviously, I think they want to win. But at what cost? I think I think money is going to talk. I really do. I think they want to make a staple. They want to be highest, you know, some of the highest paid players to ever play the game. And it, does it help? Maybe, maybe slightly. But I think, as I said, I, I think money is going to talk in this situation. And do I think one of them lands there? Absolutely, I do. And, and you'll find out in a couple minutes, you know, we'll play a little game of, of where we think guys are going to go, and, and, and you'll find out. But I, I do think they'll land one of those two guys as well. Um, but then it, I guess what, what that leads me into is, is uh, you know, there's a couple scenarios where they could actually land both guys and be able to afford them both. And so uh, I guess the next question I have to, to our listeners out there and uh, and Rhino is, you know, do you think the addition uh, would be better if you add Machado and Harper or you add Machado or Harper and then alleviate the rest of those those monies to go get Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell to solidify the back half of your staff or the middle of your staff to get one more one more legitimate arm plus get a staple in the back. And what do you think? No, I, I'm definitely going to say the arms. I take one and, and get the arms. Um, I think I think they have enough in place too, where if they just get one of these guys offensively, they're going to be fine. Uh, but we, we obviously know that that late in the season, down the stretch, um, having those those arms is going to be crucial. So I, I would say take one. Which one? I don't know. I mean, I guess you can just pick your poison if you want. Um, but I would definitely say pick one and then go with the arms. Yeah, I think I think Harper fits better in Philadelphia than Machado does. You know, the offseason deal with Gene Segura. You know, I think I, I think he's an admirable shortstop. He's going to play. He'll be fine for him. I just don't. 
I think Machado really does want to play short, and I think he's a below-average defender at shortstop. I mean, plain and simple. Uh, you know, I think he, I think he's an average to above-average defender at third. But as he gets older, he's gonna, you know, those hips tighten up, and he's not going to be as loose. I know he's made a lot of web gem plays and a lot of plays that'll make you, you know, uh, your jaw drop. But for the fact of the matter is, you're paying for the bat. You know, you're paying for right. the bat, especially if you want to play shortstop. And I believe that. Uh, uh, you know Bryce Harper playing either right or center for you wherever you choose to play him uh, in Philadelphia with that short porch that he can hook balls around that pole in right field. I love Harper in Philadelphia. So, hey, um, Dewey, yes, speaking sir. of the uh, the fielding of Machado, I tell you what, he has got nothing on you, man. Best fielding, best fielding second baseman. I know it's not short, but I bet you you could have slid right over and just been way better than Machado well I appreciate that I you know I, I did take pride in my defense uh you know I felt like most times at the plate I was swinging with a wet paper sack uh didn't have much juice behind much <laughs> anything uh you know it's funny you say that uh you know I just I appreciate it but um you know I, I did what I could for as long as I could and uh you know I, I had to walk away from the game but uh you know, I think Machado might have a few steps on me, but, you know, I, I appreciate the gesture. Um, <laughs> so, I also, too, I want to let you guys know, all the listeners out there, we do have a new handle uh, on Twitter. It's at Jocks and Locks. It's J-O-C-K-S-A-N-D-L-O-C-K-S, Jocks and Locks. And also our email address is the same thing, jocksandlocks at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, send in all your uh, tweets. Uh, please, you know, retweet the episodes when we post them on our Twitter feed and uh, send us anything you'd like to hear, uh, any any recommendations, any feedback. We'd love to hear it. Uh, you know, we're here for we're here for our listeners. So I uh, just wanted to drop that in. So the next game we're going to play, uh, Rhino and I are going to play uh, pin, the, pin the player on the team. So we've got a few guys left, uh, a few guys left in the in the free agent market, as you know, a few you know a few small fish have, have have been caught, but there's a lot of big fish left out there. And so we're going to run down a few names, and and uh, I'm going to kind of tell you where I think they're going to end up, just based on you know timing and and uh, you know the needs of teams. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to start with Mike Mustakis. You know, Mustakis got dealt at the deadline last year, signed that deal back in Kansas City, and and went to Milwaukee uh, at the deadline, and I thought it was a pretty good pickup for them. You know, he filled in, kind of platooned around uh, with Shaw and uh, Jonathan Scope. They made the deal for Scope uh, out of Baltimore. And uh, I like the pickup for them. You know, I've heard rumblings that they might try and re-sign him. But I'll be honest with you, I do think that uh, there's a chance he signs in Philadelphia for the Phillies. I, I do think that's a fit. Um you know, I know they have Mikel Franco at third right now, but I think Moustakis brings another left-handed bat in there, and you're going to find out later another guy that I think they're going to sign as well. Um, but I think I think Moustakis to the Phillies is is something that uh, they they go out and do along with a couple of the moves that I mentioned uh, mentioned later. Do you have any idea where you think Moustakis might land? I was I was going to also say Philadelphia. Um, it makes sense. Um, so I, I'm on board with you there, but we'll see what happens. Next guy, Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, obviously, he was 
he's starting to taper off a little bit in his career. He's getting a little bit older, uh, but he's he's had a he's had a solid career. Now we can take it, uh, you know, with a with a grain of salt because he has played out in course his entire career, which good for him. But uh, you know, I really believe Cargo uh, fits that place. You know, he's going to be pretty cheap. I don't think he's going to ask for a ton of ton of money. I think he li- winds up back in Colorado. Uh, any thoughts on Cargo? Um, I, I don't really have much on him. I mean, Colorado has just been his home. Um, so I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in those those stripes over there. I'm playing for the Rockies. Um, man, I, I'll tell you what, though. Speaking of Cargo, I think probably about five, six, seven years ago, having that guy on my fantasy team was just unbelievable. Love the he consistency. Was a, he was a fantasy monster about five years ago. That is a that is an accurate statement. He uh, he was a he was a lock and load guy. He was, and it's just amazing how Father Time can catch up with guys. And you know he's he's still a, he's still an average moderate player in the big leagues, but he's just not going to wow you like he used to. So. Correct. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you start this next one off. I'm gonna give you the name and I'm gonna get I'm gonna ask you where he's gonna go and I'll I'll chime in in a second. Mr. Craig Kimbrell. We know he asked for over three. Uh, actually, asked for over 100 million uh, in his first offering, and I think people told him to go kick rocks, which they probably should have. <laughs> uh, and so he has now lowered his price to God knows what. Do I think he's still an elite closer? Absolutely, I do. I don't think there's a ton of elite closers in this game. I think the uh, deal for Edwin Diaz going to New York was huge for the Mets. I think you solidify the back half of a bullpen, you get a top five closer in return. Do I think Craig's a top five closer? I do not. I think he's right outside the top five, but he's really good. So where's Craig King going to land, Rhino? Bring him back. Bring him back to the ATL. I think I'm on board with you there, actually. I actually have the same exact thing. I'm, I'm sick and tired of agreeing with you. But in this scenario, I guess I have to. I do believe the Braves are the dark horse, lion in the weeds, little snake that is going to land Mr. Craig Kimbrell. Braves fans out there that are listening, please don't uh, break your televisions or uh, jump off a bridge. I know that it might not be what you want to hear. Uh, it could be because you think he's over the hill. He's not. He's not over the hill. Uh, I just don't think you can go into a season with Vizcaino as your closer in a division that is so jam-packed with talent and expect to come out of there alive with Vizcaino as your closer. I think Craig Kimmer will be an excellent addition to the back half of that bullpen, and I do believe he is back. Tomahawk chopping in 2019. Oh, Next up, we have Mr. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel. Rhino, do you have any idea where you think this this Southpaw lands? Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't, to be honest with you. Um, you're catching me a little off guard here with the, the, the baseball. You know, you, you, you get out of it for a little while, and then it starts rolling around, stuff starts happening, and then, you know, you have you have the NBA stuff going on. Um, so I can honestly tell you where Dallas Keuchel is going to end up. Man, you have a lot of excuses tonight. Yeah, That's I okay. Do. That's okay. Uh, with Keuchel, to me, I think it, it, it comes down to uh, finding a place that he doesn't have to be the guy. He's not going to be a top-line guy. I don't think he – I think he pitched 
over his skis a few seasons in Houston. I think he is a really good three. I think he is similar to a three that what Patrick Corbin is and is going to be in Washington. And I think he is back in, excuse me, I think he's in the NL East next year with the Phillies. I think uh, Phillies seem to be coming up a lot. And I think he is going to be a Philadelphia Philly next year. Um, and I think they solidify the, the rest of that staff. I really do. I just don't think Eflin and, and Eckhoff can, and Velasquez, to me, are just too big a risks. Uh, I, I don't know what I'm going to get. And if you're going all in and you try and get Harper, you get Real Muto, you go out and get Dallas Keuchel, you put all your chips in the middle of the table and you say, let's roll, baby. So mm. I think that's where they go. All right. The last two big fish we have, Mr. Bryce Harper and Mr. Manny Machado. Where you got them going? So one of them is going to end up in Philly. Um, I think we can we can say that. Uh, I'll just go out on a limb and say Harper goes to Philly and Machado. Mm, Manny Machado. Where is he going to end up? The White Sox? Is that a thing? I'm like I said. I, I, you're starting to read my mind, which I don't really like, and and. Uh, that's exactly where I have Manny Machado and I have Bryce Harper. I think I think Harper lands in Philadelphia. I think they finally get the deal done. They land Mr. Harper. And I do think Manny Machado goes and joins his brother-in-law, Yonder Alonso, in the Windy City and becomes a Chicago White Sox. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there on a limb uh, for all you listeners out there. Uh, on Monday, we're going to go over the, some of the overs and unders uh, that Vegas set out for wins. Uh, this year in the 2019 for uh, all the MLB teams. And there's one team out there that I think uh, is the sleeper cell uh, in in the big leagues, and that is the Chicago White Sox. I think they mm. land Manny Machado. I think they will indeed mark it down, put it in your books. They will play in the wild card game this year. Oh, and wow. they will have a chance. They will have a chance, have a chance to get into the actual postseason. I don't consider the Wild Card game a postseason game. I know it is. I just don't. It's bullshit. It's one game. But I, I listen. When you got to win that game to actually get into the into the big boy club. But I think the Chicago White Sox are a wild card team this year, and here's why. I'm going to give you a few reasons why. You can think I'm an idiot. That's fine. I like taking against the grain uh, calls, and here's uh, here it is. I think Lucas Giolito and uh, Mr. Lopez break out this year. I think they were both highly touted. I think Giolito and Lopez both come come to fruition. And I also think Carlos Rodon finally stays off the disabled list for longer than about 16 hours. And he finally starts to shape in a form. So they have three legitimate starters. Later on in the year, they bring up Dylan Cease, who's one of their prospects. And then obviously next year, uh, Wish it could be this year, but obviously next year they get the likes of Michael Kopech back, who uh, suffered Tommy John uh, UCL damage uh, last year. I do think as well that Yon Moncada is actually going to become an all-star this year. Mm. Uh, 23 years old. He hasn't come into his own yet. Kid can really play, can run, has some juice in the bat. I love him in the middle or the top half of the order. I think he's going to be an impact bat. My words, Eloy Jimenez is coming up. This guy looks like King Kong. 
tell you what, he hits balls that, uh, you know, similar to Aaron Judge. This guy is a legitimate power bat, and I think he can put him him right in the middle of that order along with Jose Abreu, you know, sprinkle him a little Alonzo. And I think when you get Machado in there, I really think that fan base in Chicago is going to rally around and watch and see in a below average and the worst division in baseball, the AL Central, with uh, three subpar teams and the Indians who just uh, had Lindor uh, endure endure an injury today. Mm, Did see that. Uh, I I really like the White Sox. I really like the White Sox to wreak havoc in the AL Central and make a run at the postseason. I like it. I like like that take. Uh, Only time will tell. But, hey, that's what we're about here. We're taking some good takes. I love it. Last guy I want to talk about, and I just happened to scan through some statistics last night, and it's, it's kind of remarkable how this guy has really kind of changed his entire mantra as an arm from the beginning until now. Power arm came up with the Indians and, you know, won a, uh, won a Cy Young and has won 20 games a few times. Bartolo Colon, you know, people in here in Atlanta always like to, you know, poke fun at him because he looks like he's, you know, eating at Golden Corral a few too many times. But <laughs> the guy's an athlete. The guy flat out knows how to pitch. And uh, I was looking at statistics last night. Bartolo Colon started 31 games in 1998. 31 wow. games in 1998. Hey, second year in the league. Dewey, do you know how old I was in 1998? I don't think I want to know. Were you even born yet? <laughs> yes, I was a whopping two years old. Two years old, Bartolo Colon was towing the rubber. So in 1998, Bartolo Colon started 31 games, his second year in the league with the Cleveland Indians. 20 years later, in 2018, which was last year's season, he started 24 games. So it made me start to think, how many players in MLB history – have started at least 24 games or more in a 20-year one year they started 24 more and then 20 years later started 24 more hmm. well I don't have the answer for you today but I'll tell you what I do have if you do visit our Twitter handle at, at jocks and locks the answer is posted for you on there it's a really good answer. There's seven guys. I'll give you the, I'll give you that number. There's seven guys that have actually done it outside of Bartolo Colon, and it's pretty remarkable. So uh, I want to thank Ryan Spader as well. Uh, he was able to look up that information for us, and uh, he got us that information. So Ryan Spader, thank you, and please follow him as well on Twitter. Uh, so uh, that is our trivia question of the day. We might start incorporating some more trivia in the podcast. Uh, for your liking as well. So uh, even if you think you know the I would be absolutely shocked if any of our listeners do, no offense, please tweet at us or email us those answers. And uh, uh, we're just going to keep trying to, uh, you know, make you guys excited about our podcast. So we're going to start off with our, uh, or actually we're going to end up with our last uh, last episode of you lock it up you guys might know it Mm, my favorite like we said the disclaimer 
This is strictly entertainment. This is no more than entertainment. So if you are gambling, if you are betting, all right, please proceed with caution. Bet safely, bet wisely, bet responsibly. All right. Rhino, what do you got for us tonight on the uh, on the docket? So tonight we're going to start out with the NBA. We've got two games tonight. Um, not a lot of college basketball. We'll, we'll get into that uh, the, the games tomorrow. But as far as the NBA goes, love the 76ers tonight. I think they come out strong. The new-looking team, minus four and a half. Denver at home. You lock it up. And then my second NBA game for tonight, Golden State Warriors going on the road. But they're playing the Phoenix Suns, who, again, I think, Dewey, we could put together a team and compete with the Phoenix Suns. They're minus 15 and a half. I'm taking that. Those are my two NBA plays tonight. Very nice. Very nice. Um, as I, as you know, I do not comment on NBA games. Never have, never will. Uh, it's, it's above my pay grade. Uh, that's what we let Rhino do. He is the master of the NBA. Our, uh, our friend Pete Parlay actually last night had a few of those NBA games in a five-team parlay. Oh, yeah, he uh, did. Rhino, do you know what, what Pete Parlay had? So Pete Parlay, for anybody that doesn't know, Pete Parlay is a good buddy of ours. Um, the man is a degenerate, to say the least. And he does parlays a lot. But the funny thing is he actually wins parlays kind of consistently. Um, so let me tell you what Pete Parlay did last night. Old Pete Parlay did a little five-teamer, and he had Penn State plus seven against Ohio State. They covered. Um, Houston minus two. They dominated UCF. Two for two there. He had Chattanooga. Now, now let me just say this. Pete Parlay watched Chattanooga versus VMI. Who would ever watch that basketball game? There was a – Pete texted me and said, Rhino, there's literally five people there at the game. Chattanooga wins by one. VMI came running down the court, missed a shot at the buzzer to win. So Pete snuck by. He's three for three. Then he's got the Memphis Grizzlies and the Oklahoma City Thunder under 215. That barely made it. He was on the edge of his seat till the end of that game. And then he had Iowa, money line. Um, so there's your five games. Pete Parlay will probably be back at it tonight. Probably won't win, but we'll see what happens. Wow. Kudos to Pete. Pete, tweet us out. Tweet us your uh, your plays. Pete, just keep on rolling, buddy. Cash those tickets. All right, we're going to hop into a few games for tomorrow. Uh, lines for a few of the uh, the big games tomorrow in college basketball have come out. We, uh, we have two of those lines. Uh one is still not out yet. The big one at six o'clock, as we all know, Duke and Duke and uh, University of Virginia is not out yet. Uh, we're going to get to that in just a moment, but I kind of want to touch on the Wisconsin-Michigan game uh, tomorrow. Uh, I believe it's a two o'clock start. Uh, I just think, to be quite frank with you, I think Michigan's obviously the better basketball team. Uh, I know Wisconsin's on a six-game winning streak, and that started with oh home against Michigan and so uh, this is a revenge game for Michigan I'm going to come out I think D-line's going to have these guys focused and uh, ready to play uh, Wisconsin's playing their second road, road game in four nights 
they just came off a grueling, tough battle up in the barn at Minnesota. And, uh, you know, I just think Michigan in the first meeting really, really kind of dominated that game. I know the final score was a 10 point, uh, 10 point difference, but in reality, I thought Michigan deserved and, 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 and to win on a, on a, uh, on the road. So I, I'll lay the six, you know, I think, I think six points is fair. I think Michigan wins by, wins by almost a dozen tomorrow. I like the Wolverines to, to cover and, uh, beat the Badgers. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I can get on board with that. I really can. Uh, moving on to the next game, we got another another uh, a dandy tomorrow. We got Marquette hosting Villanova. Um, right off the bat, uh, I'll give you a little history. Nova is 23-10 and 10 all time against Marquette. Um, but that doesn't d- deter me away from my pick, which is going to be Marquette, um, given one and a half. Um, and I'm, I'm going to take Marquette there. I think Marcus Howard is just too much to handle at home. So I think they get it done 73 to 68. And finally, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I'm on the, I'm on the opposite side of that Rhino. I, I, I think you're dead wrong here. I think Nova is a team that is poised to catch fire. Now. I think we I think Marquette has chinks in the armor. I believe that Marcus Howard is a phenomenal scorer, but I think Nova and, and Jay Wright will have an idea of how to slow him down tomorrow. And I just think that Villanova is just a better, more well-coached basketball team. I will take points gladly if I'm getting Villanova. I don't care if they're playing on Mars. If they're playing inside their conference, I'll take Villanova and I'll run with them. So I'll take Nova in the points. Mm. Mm. I hear we have a, a pretty big game though tomorrow tomorrow night. What do you think? Uh, I don't know who's playing. Um, I, I think it's a team that uh, um, has the three best recruits from last year's class, and then I think another team that um, you know could could arguably be the number one team in the country. You know. Somebody could make that argument. That sound about right? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's Duke and Duke and Virginia. I think that's mm. who we're talking about. Mm. I think you're right. What, so, yeah, here, here's what I, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and, and throw it out there. Um, Duke has been playing so well, and I think that truly continues tomorrow night. I think they're going to control that game. And and gosh, I hate saying this because Virginia is such a good team all the way around, and they're playing at home. But I think Duke is just too much to handle. I think offensively, uh, they, they come out strong. And I think really, if, if you're Duke, this is an opportunity to sit and really show the rest of the country your dominance and say, hey, look, March is right around the corner. We're legit. We've got it figured out now. Yeah, we went through a little skid, but we're ready to rock and roll. And everyone else better watch out. I've got Duke controlling the entire game, winning 68 to 60. Well, you're dead wrong again. To be quite frank with you, you are dead wrong again. Uh, hopefully, Pete Parlay's listening and doesn't take your side because you, my friend, are incorrect here as well. Uh, I want all the Virginia I can get. I know that line probably hasn't come out yet. I know I should. We checked before the uh, we, we got on the air. Uh, I would think if, if, if somebody 
you know, put a gun to my head and ask me what I thought the, the line would be as an open, I would think it would probably be about minus one and a half Duke, even though they are on the road. Uh, I do think they're the more, obviously, talented team, talented group. I think they're the best team in the game, to be honest with you. But I'm going to actually take Virginia at home. Mm. I think the last year's, I think last year's loss to UMBC has fueled that team, as I said numerous times. And I believe the uh, tough loss they took underneath the chin at Cameron Indoor is going to set fire in their bellies. And I really believe they're going to walk in to their home turf and they're going to take care of Duke. Flat. Well, I'll take my points uh, at home uh, with the better full, complete basketball team. Don't get it mistaken. I don't think they're more talented. I think they're a better team than what Duke is. And, and that's and what I'm saying, I think, though. I think the talent comes out tomorrow night. I think the talent uh, I, well, I, out, I, outplays the team. I, I, well, I, that's why I disagree with you. I just think that the that the youth is going to show up tomorrow night and not the talent. I think they're just mm-hmm. too young. I think, I think they're going to face a little bit of adversity tomorrow mm-hmm. night and get knocked teeth. And guess what? Virginia's going to walk away with a victory. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're gonna we're gonna di- we're gonna agree to disagree there, and uh, you know, uh, uh, don't just say I'm gonna I'm gonna be right. So mm, wrong. Lastly, uh, lastly, I just want to uh, want to mention uh, thank you to uh, again thank you to all our listeners. I really appreciate uh, all the time you take to listen to our podcast. Rhino and I uh, just want to keep getting better, and and uh, we appreciate. All you guys uh, listening out there, please, like I said, visit our Twitter handle at, at Jocks and Lock. It's at Jocks, J O C K S, and A N D Locks, L O C K S, and our Gmail at Jocks and Locks at gmail.com. I also want to send out a special, special uh, uh, good luck to one of my really good buddies who is actually in town this weekend fighting in a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament. He's been training for a while, and uh, I think he's going to kick ass tomorrow. I think he's fighting Jackie Chan at 4.30, and he's going to whoop his ass and put him in a submission. So, Mr. Wagner, I uh, wish you the best of luck tomorrow, and I'll be there cheering you on. But until then, Rhino, it's always been fun. It's been a pleasure. Always a pleasure, We're going to be back on the air. And we're going to be back on the air Monday night. Monday night, we'll post another podcast. And we really appreciate you guys listening. Signing off. Have a good night.